Brian. It's erudite. The spelling is E R U D I T E. Yeah. So, but when you meet in the streets, please just call me Brian. That will suffice. Yes. So, um, today I'm the one interrupting your social fellowship, so that instead of us fellowshipping together, you're fellowshipping with me. Yeah. And uh, the topic was also given was quite reflective. Now that you are on the verge of closing the year, you know, as you're just near the end of the year, we usually make resolutions, I get these friends, and this is the time to cut them off, those who have not met our standards. So how many friends are you cutting off this year? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's that time, eh, to use a yardstick and say, oh, last year, I was with you, you did not, you did, eh, you took my girlfriend, you, you know, the, the, all those things. Eh? Oh, you promised that you're like, you never posted me on my birthday. I am cutting you off. Eh? Yeah, for those, for those who, are, who are in class, oh, you told me that I should count on you until you went in the exam room, and all of a sudden, you disoriented our formation. You know. Eh? If you are in prison, do I you did not show up when I was reading? No, all those standards. <laughs> and um, secondly, I was also cogitating over when you were in campus, we used to have very many motivational speakers. One would come and say, I began my hotel with a piece of bean and a piece of rice. But there is something essential that they caught, that they say. They say that in five years' time, you will become a product of the books you read and the friends you keep company of. And then they also kept saying that show me your friends and... So basically that's what you're going to navigate as we tackle the topic genuine friendship. And I'm going to use a three-tier approach where we are going to talk of one, Christ the best of friends, two, Christ the model of friendship, and lastly, Christ the friend of sinners. Let's turn. And I'm going to use the book of Proverbs at length. And the first scripture I'm going to read is the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verses 22. And this is what Solomon in his all Solomonic wisdom utters says, Without counsel, plants go only, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. Chapter 18, verses 1. A man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he rages against all wise judgment. Just to pick from where I've left, we live in an age and era where there is a lot of superficiality. Where most of us have more friends on Facebook, have more friends on Instagram, have more friends on the X app, have more friends on threads than we actually have friends. But here we see that Solomon, who has been endowed by God, what he says that. When there is no counsel. And then he goes on and states that where there are many 
advisors, plans are established. And also in chapter 18, verse 1, we see what Solomon writes again here. He says that a man who isolates himself sets himself up for destruction. The old adage and cliche suffices still that no man is an island. And we read through history just to bring several people who say who, who what they had to say about friendship. Let me talk of Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Company. This is what he had to say. There are three things that grow more precious with age. All good to burn, all books to read, and all friends to enjoy. Marcus Julius Cicero, in his book Treatise of Friendship, in Marx and says, friendship improves happiness and abates misery by the doubling of our joy and the dividing of our grief. I appeal to us, brethren, that friendship is the model that God intended us to live in. That when you read from the book of Genesis, even pre the fall, when you read that is from Genesis 1 and 2, prior to the fall of man, that there's only one thing that God said is it good. And that was that it is not good for a man to be what? It is not good for a man to be alone. But most of us are living in a way that we deem and suggest as if we are enough in ourselves. As if we are sufficient in ourselves. As if we are contented in ourselves and we, we hide under the meaning of saying, I am introverted. Oh, somebody is intruding my self-space as if you gave it to yourself. Oh, I am more productive when I am alone. <laughs> Brethren, I'd like to appeal to us then the instance of true friendship. And we see that through the scriptures, the scriptures is littered with a lot of friendship that then we ought to emulate. Just building up on Christ, the best of friends. From Genesis through Revelation, it is littered with a lot of eminable friendship. And at the beginning with the first one, the friendship between Jonathan and David. When you read the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20, we see the cordial friendship between Jonathan and David. How intentional it was that one was ideally willing to lay down their life for the other. That Jonathan would actually be was willing to abdicate the throne that he was to succeed his father from and leave it to David. We see that Jonathan even goes against the commands of his father's soul so to save the life of David. And then it doesn't end there, even in the death of Jonathan. David picks this up when you read the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 9. It is said that David, after he was enthroned, he said, is there not one from the household of Jonathan that I may extend the very grace that was extended to me? And that's why he commanded someone Ziba, and then they got the, one of the sons of Jonathan, Mephibosheth. The second example that you see in scripture is the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. We are just at the backdrop of such a sermon, and we see what happened between the two of these. That Ruth explicitly says that 
that is in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16. We see the cordial, intentional relationship that is here among these people. Though, yes, Naomi was the mother in law to Ruth, but we still see friendship. Before I go to the last example in scripture, even in recent times, we see our friendship has really yielded a lot of fruit. Talk of in the 1730s, the Great Awakening that was experienced by the Puritans. Talk of people like Jonathan Edward and George Whitefield. Jonathan lived up with them, that the two of friends came together and they instigated a great revival in America that swept across the world. In recent times, also David Wood, the friendship between David Wood and Nabil Qureshi. David again here lifts up his name that he befriends and walks to this friend who will later on convert to Christianity. We see the essence of friendship, brethren. That is not something that we ought to take casually or superficially, but it's something that we ought to take intentionally. Because friendship doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. Therefore, brethren, the last example in scripture is the relationship between Christ and his disciples. And there we see Christ as the best of friends. And this we read in the book of John chapter 15 from verses 12 to 16. And this is what he said. Christ says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give is the best of friends, brethren. That even before we talk about genuine friendship, we have to lay the foundation of friendship because things don't go wrong, they start wrong. If Christ is not the foundation of any of our friendship, how then will they be genuine? If he himself who sets the standards of friendship is not the foundation of our friendship, then how can they be how can they be fruitful? How can they lead us closer to God and not gratify our selfish desires? We look at Christ as the one who embodied ultimate friendship. He loved us when we were still sinners, when we were his very core and archrivals. He still loved us. That his friendship is totally unmerited. That his friendship is totally unearned. That his friendship is totally undeserved. Yet he quits us free. That's why he writer will write and say that he giveth, he giveth, and he giveth again. That is the friendship, brethren, that Christ is inviting us to because he's the best of friends. 
says, when you read the book of Isaiah 43 verses 2, that he never leave us nor forsake us. Though we go through the waters, though we go through the fire, he'll never forsake us. Look of Isaiah chapter 49 verses 16. He says, verses 15 says, that can a nothing mother leave his child? Yet he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, because he has engraved us in the palm of his hands. Oh, what great friendship that Christ, the friend of sinners, would come and seek and save the lost according to the book of Luke chapter 19 verses 10. Brethren, Christ is the best of friends. And that is clearly demonstrated in the gospel, brethren. That when we read the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 21, it is said that God made him you knew no sin to be seen so that he may, we, we may be righteous, that in his death we now live, that he became poor, that he may attain true and imperishable riches that more cannot eat up, nor last take away. Brethren, that is a friend who is calling us to genuine friendship. When you read the book of 1 John chapter 4 verses 19, it says that we love because he first loved us. He is not inviting us to something that he himself does not embody. He is the best of friends. That though your mother and your mother forsake you, yet he shall still be a close friend to you. That though brethren, your friends will betray you, he will still remain the best of friends. Because he came to seek and save the lost. And as Paul would say, we are the foremost, like he is. And that is the invitation, brethren. That he is the standard, he is the yardstick, he is the foundation. And there is no friendship apart from him. And this is just the, the, the scripture that you've read. is at the backdrop when he's calling us to abide in him. Brethren. If your relationship with Christ is not working, all other relationships get worse. If your friendship with Christ is not intact and intimate, you can't experience any other form of intimacy. Because he himself is the best of friends. That in our death, he still came and died that we may not die again. He's closer than a brother. And when you read the book of Proverbs 18 verses 24, Solomon will be put to reinstate that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want to appeal to us, brethren, that you may consider this friend who is Jesus Christ. Is he your friend? Or do we just see what a friend we have in Jesus, but he's father of a friend to you? I appeal and exhort us, brethren, to consider how great an invitation he makes that you may consider him as the best of friends, as the closest of our friends. Because it is not our closest of friends, we can't experience any genuine of friendship. It is him. It is him alone. That is an understanding that he himself is the best of friends who is faithful, who exercises fidelity to us, is loyal to us. That's why when you read the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 13, it says that though we are faithless, he remains faithful. That though we deny him, he cannot deny us. Because
because he can't deny it. That's the invitation Christ is making and appealing to all of us that we ought to consider him as our closest friend. When you talk of the Greek word koinonia, I know it has been misused in recent times, but basically the word koinonia means that it's unveiling of secrets. It's a close intimate relationship, different of secrets, and that's why Christ is saying, no longer do I call you servants, for someone does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He is inviting us that when we talk of intimacy, it is an invitation into me, see. That's intimacy. That all doors of our lives are open to him and we cordially invite him, come and do with us what you so desire. It's a call for us to die to self so that he may live in us. It's a call for us to invite him to come and take the driver's seat and drive us to the destination he so desires. It's an invitation to call him to come and take the driver's wheel and lead us where he will. Brethren, that is the invitation. That for us to pursue genuine friendship, we must understand that Christ is the closest of all friends. He's the standard of all friends. He's the one who defines all friendship. That you take it, you take him out of the picture, no friendship exists. Secondly, Christ the model of friendship. As we pursue genuine friendship, it is encompassed with several things which have come as five F's of genuine friendship. And the first one, brethren, is fellowship. When you read the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verses 14, Paul is contrasting several things. And he's contrasting the relationship between believers and unbelievers, between Christ and, and, and Belial. He's contrasting the friendship between light and darkness. And brethren, for us to pursue genuine friendship, we must walk in fellowship. And I invite us to look at the sentiment of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verses 20, where he says that he who walks with the wise shall become wise, and a companion of fools shall perish, brethren. The reality is, brothers and sisters, that unless our friendship is in fellowship with Christ, then brethren, it is going to be fruitless because what is the essence of us having many friends, yet they do not lead us to Christ. That as we pursue genuine friendship, this friendship must be grounded in fellowship because unless we agree with Christ, we can't agree elsewhere. And that's the invitation that Amos invites us to when you read the book of Amos 3, 3, it asks, can two walk together unless they agree? Unless, brethren, we agree in Christ, we are lost. The fellowship is a foundation to true and genuine friendship. Secondly, fidelity. And I dare ask, is there anyone of us who would want a friend who would betray them? You know, in recent times, we've even branded them names 
For ladies, they'll call them yokes. <laughs> and for brothers, they'll say that you guys see their sample. And when we so keen to segregate themselves, and brethren, as you see, that Christ's friendship is an everlasting and an eternal type of friendship. That he exercised fidelity to his disciples. That he opened up himself, even the very secrets that have been hidden for ages, the very mysteries and revelations. He made them known to his disciples. He was loyal to them. One Kenyan politician is remarked of saying that fidelity to the party shall be number one consideration. I invite us, brethren, that even as we talk of having loyal friends, we will not betray us. Let us then call ourselves and examine ourselves and consider ourselves, call ourselves to a moment of self-introspection and introspection, whether we ourselves are exercising fidelity to our friends. Before you demand a loyal friend, ask yourself, are you a loyal friend? Before you call them yokes, examine yourself and ask, are you a yox in the first place? Before you say, they are Judas and they eventually give you the Judas' kiss, and you say that you yourself are not the beautiful. That is the invitation that brethren, we can't consider and continue in friendships that are very casual, that it's a pick and drop, picky, picky, punky. Brethren, that is not the invitation Christ is calling us to. It is a call for us to live in fidelity, in loyalty, and in utmost faithfulness to our friends. That is a walk in a manner worthy of the very calling that Christ has called us to. That is a embody Christian virtues of love, of gentleness, and we shall see later on in forgiveness. That brethren, for us to be genuine friends, we must be loyal to our friends. Loyal to the extent of correcting them in love. That when we see them going astray and about to fall into a ditch, we'll call them out in love. Fidelity. Fellowship. Fidelity. And thirdly, forgiveness. We live in an ancient era where forgiveness is becoming a grey world. Where, you know, to think of forgiveness is almost always out of the picture. That once our friend does a mistake or hurts a little, we cut them off. Eh? Nowadays they use uh, either scalpel or knife. Eh? Cut off, cut off, cut off. It, it seems like you have replaced the role of pussy. We even have ourselves cut off points. <laughs> I invite us, brethren, to consider the words of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, where Paul is exalting the church in Ephesus and he's telling them, Forgive each other as God in Christ forgave you. That because we have been forgiven by our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, we can extend the very forgiveness to our friends. That though they hurt us, we'll always be able to mature ours to forgive. That we won't wait for them to ask for forgiveness, but with the realization, and once it dawns on us that you have been forgiven, remember the parable of Christ, of a servant who has just been forgiven of the, by the king, 
only to demand a death that will serve you. Brethren, are we consistent in our living? Because it is pointless, it is endless for us to cry in repentance. Lord, forgive us, yet you yourself a poor acrimony, animosity, and bitterness. Because reality, brethren, is forgiveness is letting go of another person only to realize that you yourself were the prisoner. That is the invitation that Christ is calling us to. That he himself forgave us our sins. That he will pursue genuine friendship. There must be a place for forgiveness. There is no in-between around it. There is no prevaricating and circumlocuting around it. The reality is, unless you forgive, brethren, when you read the book of Matthew chapter 6, it's so clear that if you do not forgive, you shall not be forgiven. No matter how we are going to try and use our manuscripts to interpret it, that's what the scripture says. That you have been called to forgive other people. The very same way Christ has forgiven us. Then a bit is fruitfulness. And this you find in the very words of Christ. He says this. You did not, what is 16, 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Friends, we must look at our friendship. Yes, you have established that it has to be unconditional because Christ himself has extended an unconditional love and friendship to us. Where it's all for nothing. But then we ought to invite ourselves to a table of reasoning and ask, is our friendship bearing fruit? Or is it our gift just friends? Like when you read the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that says, Bad company corrupts good morals. It's an invitation to ask ourselves, are these friends building us up or are they lowering us down? Are they building our capacity or are they the very reason I really do my assignments? Are they leading me closer to Christ or are they the very reason I will no longer come for fellowship. I'm no longer consistent in Bible study. We must ask ourselves, how fruitful are our friendships? Because the place of genuine friendship is a place of accountability, brethren. And without accountability, there is no Christianity. And that's why the author of Hebrews would say, do not forsake the fellowship of brethren. Because it is a place of accountability. How accountable are you to your friends? Do they know the book of the Bible you are currently studying? Do they know whether you are consistent in your devotion? Do they know your deep hearts, brethren? If not, then I ask you and I invite you, consider if they truly are your friends. Do they know that you are in a relationship because some of us are in a relationship, but it is always between me and them. And the rule is, thou shalt not be seen. Because you have Pun intended. Are we walking in accountability? 
our friendship and we pursue genuine friendship brethren. When it's no longer fruitful, it is a call for us to end the mind. Because when you read the book of John 15, it says that a branch that does not bear fruit, it is cut off and it withers away. Friendship should be a place where we are replenished, where we are refreshed, where we are rejuvenated. That is the place of genuine friendship. And this can only stand from a fruitful friendship, as you see, between Christ and his disciples. That when we are left, 12 men turn the world upside down, they ransack the world, and we ourselves are beneficiary of such an intimate friendship. That Christ was able to walk with these people till the end, and they were able to bear fruit. It is a call for us to examine a we bear fruit. And if we are to have genuine friends, in the place of fruitfulness, we need people who will come and stand with us and tell us, you're messing up. People who have their dissenting voices, or are we surrounding ourselves to people who are laughing at us and cajoling us into sin because they can't call us out. Brethren, that is not love. Because a love that shares you see is the worst form of hatred. We need friends who will be able to speak sense into us and at times stand and disagree with us and tell us that you're no longer walking. What is the calling that you've been called to? That you're walking in sin. That they change and turn your ways. You know, we live in an Asian era where we think if somebody corrects us, they're judging and condemning us. That is not the case. Because a true friend, as we read in the book of Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6, it is an invitation for us to consider that the rebuke of a friend, the wounds of friends, are better than anything else. And also when you proceed further, 27 verses 17, it says that just like iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of a friend. That is the invitation, brethren, for us to be intentional with our friends. For us to call them out when they are in sin. For us to invite them back lovingly and share the gospel with them. Some of us are even friends who are unbelievers. Brethren, that is not friendship. How can you be a beneficiary of the adoption? of the sanctifying work, of the justification, yet not share the very thing that Christ has called you to. Consider, are you a genuine friend to allow your friend to languish in sin, in distraction, yet you call yourself friend? Christ came to seek and save the lost. And lastly, is forever. I know, you know, if our friendships have been reduced to a place of convenience, that I'll only love you or be friends with you when it is beneficial. When I'm earning and ripping something out of it. But brethren, I'd like us to consider the example of Christ who said to his disciples, when you read the book of John 16, 33, he gave them an assurance that though they love trouble in this world, yet he shall continually be with them. Even in the Great Commission, the invitation that he made, he reminded them that as they go out and make this 
John 17 is still making a constant reminder that he shall still be with them. How often are we so quick to let go of our friends? Those they fall, you read the book of Psalm chapter 37, verses 24. It says that though a righteous man may fall, yet if he falls seven times, it shall rise again. You know, we live in a Christian dog, and our perception is that the grace of God is able to save those who are outside than it can redeem those who are inside. How often have we neglected our friends and left them to go and perish if we could do something about it? Look at the example of Christ. I invite us to consider John 8, the case that was brought before Christ, the case of the adulterous woman, that Christ who was most qualified to cast the first stone in it? Who are you to cast the first stone? Or the last stone? That is the invitation that as we pursue daily friendship, there must be a place of us extending grace. There must be a place for us to still be representatives of Christ. Daily friendship embodies fellowship. It embodies forgiveness. It embodies fruitfulness. And it embodies forever. That's the invitation, brethren. And lastly, I'd like us to consider the last point of genuine friendship, which is Christ, the friend of sinners. The place of our relationship with unbelievers. Yes, we agree that we can't connect with them because you're not agreeing foundation in, in the foundation. But look at Christ. He called friend of sinners. He called himself adulterers. He called himself prostitutes. He called himself tax collectors. But the reality was that as these sinners came to him, they left jail and not him to that we ought to influence them instead of them influencing us. But you see that the 21st century has so degenerated where instead of the church influencing the world, the world is influencing the church. Ideas. Are you a world chaser or a world changer? That when you interact with these unbelievers, then see the light as you read in the book of Matthew 5, 16, where you have been called to be the light of the world, that you are in a city on a year that can't be hidden. That the place of our relationship with unbelievers is only in us winning them to Christ. That though we may interact in other areas, but it is our duty and prerogative to ensure that we win them to Christ. Yes, they, we can have them as classmates. We can have them in other places as people who are our clients. But primarily, our pursuit ought to be to make Christ known to them. Do you know that unbeliever who is your friend? Who will status as you view 
you literally only ask to see. There are stickers that you view midnight because you know what they post. Do you know them? Do you have them in your circles? The child is my friend. Consider reaching out to them. Because tomorrow might be too late. In conclusion, friendship is the great instrument of sanctification. How will you ever learn unconditional love if you are friends to someone who met all your conditions? How will you ever learn mercy, patience, long suffering, heartfelt compassion if you are friends to someone who never failed you? Who is never difficult with you? Who never sinned against you? Who is never slow to acknowledge their sin or ask for forgiveness? How will you ever learn grace? To pour out your favor on someone who did not deserve it. If you are friends to someone who is always deserving of all good things. Friendship, then, to the both of you, is an instrument of conformation to the image of Jesus Christ. Genuine friendship. That's the call, brethren. For us to pursue genuine friendship by understanding that Christ is the best of friends, by emulating Christ as the best of friends, by understanding that genuineness demands fellowship, it demands fidelity, it demands forgiveness, it demands fruitfulness, and it demands us to pursue it in forever. And lastly, understanding that Christ is a friend of sinners. Because we didn't condemn them, we can't condemn them. But instead of them changing us, we are called to change them. Let's pray. Faithful God, thank you for the sober reminder that God, you've called us to pursue friendship. And Lord, you remind us in your heart that friendship with the world is enmity with you. And we ask you that you may pursue you, O oh, our Lord Jesus Christ, as our best of friends. And may we emulate you as the best of friends, for you've called us into obedience, Lord. And may we understand that you yourself are friends of sinners, O oh, Lord. And you yourself ought to emulate you. We also ask you, God, that would you help us, King of Glory, in the various areas that you have convicted us, that we ought to be telling friends, oh God, to be intentional friends, oh God. We ask you to help us. And Lord, if there is anyone amongst us who is even here to know you as a friend, our hearts bleed for him or her, God. That would you pursue him with irresistible grace, Lord. Would you convict their hearts, Spirit of God, that they wouldn't have any Lord? That as they have heard this message, they will reflect on it, God, and you shall call them to true saving grace, the best and the ultimate of friendship. And Lord, when our days here are done, we, he or she, shall meet you as the best of friends, God. 
we also be praying that with you, God, help us to continually abide in you, that you may be the best of friends to each other, as you are our best of friends. Will you stamp eternity in our eyeballs, that you may live in light of it all the days of our life. Even as we shall be departing to our respective places, help us to not only be my father, hear us, but to be doers of your word. We ask this, trusting in you, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you.